verse 9. Give me a moment. Let me help you out. Jeremiah 20 and 9. Jeremiah, he's what we call the weeping prophet, meaning that um, he had all of these things from God that God talked to him and God told him to say. And as far as we can tell, there's not one moment where God or where anyone ever listened to Jeremiah and changed their life. Can you imagine? And I, don't, I, I should know this. I can't remember how long Jeremiah prophesied. I should know that. But can you imagine if I preached and no one ever came to the altar and no one ever was changed, no one ever got baptized, no one ever got filled with the Holy Ghost, there was no healings. I just kept preaching. And when it was done, everybody left. No one smiled. No one shook my hand. In fact, you all went home and you made fun of me. That's what Jeremiah went through. And Jeremiah got to the place right here where he said, you know what? I'm done. I'm not going to talk about him. He said, then said I, Jeremiah 20 and verse 9, I will not make mention of him nor speak any more in his name. It wasn't that Jeremiah was giving up on God. He said, I'm just tired of preaching and nobody's listening. But then he stopped and he said, but his word was in my heart as a burning fire shut up in my bones. I was weary, forbearing, I could not stay. There was something Jeremiah said that even when I tried to stop, it kept coming out. It was that overflow like we preached this morning, an overflow of a soul that's been touched by him. Jeremiah said, I tried to quit and I couldn't. I want to talk to you a little bit about that. Father, we thank you today for your presence and for your touch. Would you let your word of God speak to us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. You can be seated. A pastor by the name of W. Darnell, he made this statement. He wrote that when a church does not have a lasting revival, the reason is, is, is fivefold. Number one... You want a stirring, but no change. You want sound doctrine, but no compliance. You want sermons to shout about and feel good about, but not to challenge you. You want the Savior's blessing without keeping His commandments. And you want an experience without a commitment. I don't think that represents our church today. Jonathan Romine one of our pastors wrote on Twitter, it's been a couple years ago, he said so many people are content with being touched by God but not consumed. What would the church be like if we all made up our mind to be consumed by God? I, I, fire is pretty powerful and that's what Jeremiah likened it as. He said it's like fire shut up in my bones. Fire is pretty powerful. I'm not always the smartest person in the world. I've lit my gas grill when I had the gas on a little longer than needed and had that poof and I've lost some eyebrows before. I have worked on the, uh, the, the smoker that we have here at the church and you know, you're trying to get it going and I get a little too impatient and so I spray a little bit more lighter fluid than I thought. And it gets crunchy up here. You can kind of flick it off. It's like the skydiver that was so nervous on his first dive. 
he jumped out of that plane and he was whistling through the earth. He was looking at his altimeter and he was making sure when it got to the right uh, altitude, he ripped the cord and nothing happened. And oh, you talk about getting scared. He finally was trying to reach that auxiliary cord, that backup chute. He pulled it. It didn't happen. And as he's hurtling down through the earth to the earth, he meets another man going up. And as he passed, he said, hey, do you know anything about parachutes? And the guy that's going up yelled back and said, no, do you know anything about gas stoves? <laughs> Fire is powerful. Fire is one of the things that, that, that has a primal fear of man. Uh, this year we, we saw a massive fire eat through Alberta and Manitoba, Canada. And uh, I had friends up there that, that their church burned down, their town burned down. And, and, you know, we see that. But yet when it comes to God, that is a term that describes God so perfectly. Thank you. It, it's a characteristic of God. And, and again, I don't believe that we ever, that the Bible ever uses a word by accident. Now, y'all know me. I've preached here long enough. You've sat under my sermons long enough. Pastor, don't always say it correctly. Sometimes I make up words. Sometimes the words I use are wrong. And my wife laughs at me and Sister Stacy laughs at me. And I'm okay. I'm a bigger person. But God doesn't have that problem. When you want to understand the Bible, you need to understand the Bible says that the, the word, it was breathed on by man. And I, I, I know it might be hard to wrap our minds around, but the Bible, God literally breathed the word and man captured that word and wrote it down on parchment and papyrus and wrote it down in, in stone on some occasions and on fibers. And so when we use descriptions of God, those are not from us. It's from the Lord. I could tell you that the Deuteronomy 4.24 says, The Lord thy God is a consuming fire. That's a characteristic of God. Fire is used to characterize His judgment. That's why the Lord rained down fire and brimstone on Sodom and Gomorrah. Fire is indicative of God's presence, which is why Moses saw a burning bush and he went there and God spoke to him out of that. Not only that, but that same presence was there when they left Egypt. There was a pillar of fire. But not only does it indicate God's presence, fire was used to characterize the direction of God. The Bible says the Lord went before them by a pillar of cloud in the day and a pillar of fire by night. And it was to give them light. In, in 1 Kings chapter 18, God answers by fire. Elijah goes and they're, they're offering that, that sacrifice. It's between Baal, the prophets of Baal, and, and Elijah. And God, you know, Elijah said, whatever God, whether it's Baal or whether it's the Lord God Almighty, whichever one answers by fire, he's the true one. Those prophets of Baal did everything they could. You cannot find a more fervent, a more worshipful bunch than Baal's prophets. There was no fire that fell. But when, when, when Elijah spoke that little, I can't remember, 60-something word prayer, fire fell. It, it's, it's, it's just who God is. 
It's why in Luke 3.16, John the Baptist said, I come baptizing you with water, but there's one that cometh after me who's mightier than I, whose shoes I'm unworthy to to tie or even unloose, but he's going to baptize you with Holy Ghost and with fire. Fire is a characteristic of God. It's why uh, on the day of Pentecost, Acts chapter 2, it said they were all there in one accord in one place and suddenly there came a sound like a rushing mighty wind and it filled all the house where they were sitting and there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire. God enjoys using that example. I could take you back to Hebrew. We've already said this, but let me say it again. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 29. For our God is a consuming fire. Now here's something about fire. Fire does a multitude of things. Fire can destroy. You, you have a piece of paper. I could, I could set this paper on fire and I will never be able to read that paper again. It's destroyed. But the same fire that destroys paper... You can take a scalpel, you can take a knife, and you can, you can burn that knife or heat up that knife, and it will purify that knife, that scalpel, and all of the germs and all the bacteria will be dead, and you can use it. Fire, if it's abused, it hurts. If fire is used properly, it's an incredible help. And that's why when we read the verses earlier, you find that sometimes the fire of God is destroying the wicked, while other times the fire of God is saving But in all of that, I would say to you today, if ever there was a day and time that we need the fire of God in our lives, it's now. It's now. There's a little church in a small town one night. It caught on fire. And pastor rushed over. There was nothing they could do. It was going to burn to the ground. And so the pastor is watching in horror as, as it just consumes that. And, you know, of course, like anything, it doesn't matter, big town, small town. You see fire trucks, everybody wants to go see what it is. I know some of you have gone out of your way on your way home from church because you saw a fire truck and you followed it just to see what it was. I know because I have done that. But as the pastor was there, there's a great group. It was a small town. He knew most everybody there. And he looked at one person there. He said, hey. How come I've never seen you inside the church? How come I've never seen you at church before? And that person looked at him and said, Well, we've never seen the church on fire before. Charles Spurgeon, the great English preacher, said it this way, If you'll set yourself on pot fire, people will come from miles around to watch you burn. What he meant was, if you'll get on fire with God, you won't even have to advertise. It will just happen. I'm telling you today, we live in a day and age where we need the presence of God to be active in our life, in our church, in our communities. We cannot afford to have a church that is a dying ember. There's a reason why people are attracted to a revival. It's because they're attracted to the fire of God. So I'm asking you, Is this a church on fire? I'm not asking, is it a warm church? I'm not asking, is it a warm, fuzzy church? Here's the thing. God doesn't ignite churches. Now, there was back in the 80s, this church caught on fire, and we got pictures of it, and this church burned, and people still remember some of it. But God is not interested in setting this church on fire. God is interested in setting you ablaze. 
Now, I could, I could say that some of us, not necessarily you, I'm using some of us as a, an outside analogy. Acts chapter 7 verse 51 says, You are stiff-necked and uncircumcised in your heart and ears, and you always resist the Holy Ghost. As your fathers did, so do ye. That's a horrid uh, uh, way to talk about someone. You've always resisted the Holy Ghost. You're stiff-necked. But I would tell you, I'm one that can't resist. I'm one that has to go back to what Jeremiah says. If I say I'll never mention the Lord or say I'll never speak His name, then His words burn in my heart like a fire. It's like fire shut up in my bones and I'm worn out from trying to hold it in. I just can't keep it quiet. I can't back down. It's what I said this morning. When I have a bad day and I want to get depressed and I have moments where, where, where I let my guard down and I, I, I tend to kind of get in the dumps, but that's where the fire of the Holy Ghost comes in. It just, I can't stay there because I'm blessed. I can't stay in an unthankful moment because I'm blessed. I can't stay in a, in a moment where I think my, my sickness or my, my circumstances are going to overwhelm me because of what God has done on the inside. It's like fire shut up in my bones. I, my, my wife and I, yesterday we did a, uh, I was the, the minister at a, at a, a wedding uh, for for one of our officers and and uh, my wife asked me she she said Brandon she said I've never heard in all of your 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 wedding sermons or ceremonies you mention God so much I said I couldn't help it because they had made the statement this young couple they had made the statement when I first met them the, the young lady she said I want more of God. You might as well have poured kerosene or jet fuel on this preacher. When someone looks at me, Brother Steve, when you walk into my office and say, I don't know anything about God, but I want more of him, it's like putting a firecracker in the middle of a gasoline. I just, it's something inside of me. I, I get ready to preach. I get ready to talk about it. And so last yesterday, I watched and I felt the presence of God in that church. And I saw the glory of God come down. And there were people that would come up to me after that at the reception and they said things like, we've never felt something like that at a wedding before. You're right, because you've never seen something on fire before. There's four words in the Bible that we can use to determine. It's, it's, it's the word that is translated as fervent. One of the words means to do it without ceasing. It's where First uh, Peter chapter four verse eight says, above, "Above all things, have fervent charity." That means love among yourselves, meaning have love that never ceases. Another word that is mentioned as fervent means to set on fire. It's where um, First or Second Peter chapter two verse ten, when it says, "The day of the Lord shall come as a thief in the night, in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat." That, that means it's, it's going to be one day this world is going to be destroyed by fire. There's another one. It's where we get, it's a Greek word, but it's where we get our word energy. It means to do something, to be effectual, to be mighty, to, to work, to do it. It's where the Bible says, confess your faults one to another. And pray one for another that you may be healed. The effectual, fervent prayers of a righteous man. And, and that don't, I don't mean energetic just in 
you know, getting all excited, but it means that your prayers, there is an energy behind your prayer. There's, you, you, are, you are fervently praying. And then the last one is a Greek word named zeal. Means to be hot. It, it, it's the same understanding of a boiling of a liquid or of a glowing of a fire. That's why in Acts chapter 18 it says someone was fervent in the spirit. They were, I, and I know this is not how we would translate it, but, but hang with me for a moment. He was glowing. He was on. He was boiling. There was something moving. It's why uh, uh, Romans chapter twelve verse eleven says, "Not slothful in business, fervent in the spirit." It's Second Corinthians seven seven that says, "It's your fervent mind before me." Now I, I don't know everything about science and physics, but I know some. I know that everything is made up of molecules. Everything is made up of, of tiny molecules in that they have nucleuses, they have uh, electrons, they have neurons. You know what I'm talking about. And, and in that, if you were to be able to use a microscope that can get down to a deep microscopic level, if you looked at a solid bar of iron, you would find that all of the molecules are very close together. And they're stuck. And molecules, they have an inherent stickiness. Now this is... You know, I'm teaching you deep, deep uh, uh, scientific principles. Stickiness. You'll learn that when you get your doctorate. But molecules have an inherent stickiness that causes them to want to attach together. That's what makes a solid a solid. All of the molecules are stuck together. But when fire is placed upon that solid, something happens on the molecular level. As it heats up, those molecules begin to vibrate. And as it gets hotter and hotter, they begin to move. And then they will actually, there will be photons that will release light. That's why when you heat a piece of iron up, that's why it begins to glow. It's because they're releasing uh, 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 light and then they will glow. And if you heat up a piece of iron long enough, it will change from a solid to a liquid. And if you heat it up long enough and at super high temperatures, it will ultimately uh, uh, change into a gas. But even in that liquid state, those molecules are attached to each other. But because of the heat, they can't contain themselves. And so that's where we get to that word fervent in the sense of the Greek word zeo. It's to boil that liquid. It's, it's something that has been acted on by a fire. That starts to move. And, and, and I'm not content just to stay quiet. I'm not content just to stay with the flow. But, but I begin to move. And there's a light that begins to emit. And the more the heat is there. The more I cannot contain. Until finally like a gas. You just kind of explode. Now. I don't want to ask. The same question, how be it inverted, that Isaac asked on the mountaintop to his father, Abraham. Isaac said, remember Abraham, God told Abraham, you're going you're gonna to have to go sacrifice your only son, Isaac. And Abraham didn't ask any questions. He loaded up Isaac. Isaac was a grown man at this time. 
God is his animals, and they're hiking up. And God, or Isaac got up there and he said, Dad, I'm carrying the wood on my back for the sacrifice. Dad, you've got a, a bundle that's got some live coals in it, and you've got some tinder, and, and I know you'll take that tinder out, those dry little wispy pieces of grass and, and bark, and you'll put that coal in there, and we'll blow on it, and we'll be able to light a fire. I know we got the wood in the fire, but where is the sacrifice? That's what Abra, or that's what Isaac asked. But I'm afraid all too often in churches across this country, we could say things like this. We've got a cross. That's the wood. We've got sacrifice, maybe even a little bit of sacrifice. But where is the fire? What you and I need more than anything is fire. It's why Paul said, I was with you in weakness and fear. I was in much trembling. But my speech and preaching was not with the enticing man's words of man's wisdom, but with the demonstration of spirit and power. What it means was when Paul began to speak, it was like fire shut up in his bones. And he was operating in that Holy Ghost and fire. Acts chapter 4 says, when they prayed, the place was shaken. And, and, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. It's that fire. It's, it's I, I could go to Acts chapter 3 where Peter looked at the lame man at the gate and said, Silver and gold have I none, but what I have give unto thee in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise and walk. It was fire. When you have that Holy Ghost and fire, there's things that begin to happen. My grandfather... He just celebrated his 90th birthday last week. And I wish I could have been down there with him. My grandfather was, he was so cool. And he is. He's slowing down a lot. And, but growing up, we, we didn't have TV. We didn't have video games. And especially when to grandma's house, they didn't even have new toys. We were playing with the same toys my daddy played with as a kid. And it didn't matter to me. We liked him. Man, they made matchbox cars so different back then. So, to be honest, when we went to Grandma's house, we didn't play inside unless it was raining. We would play outside. And uh, Grandpa, he taught us how to weld. Grandpa taught us a lot of things that came with pipe fitting and, and stuff like that. We had a, a friend of mine, a friend of my dad's that was in the military, and he got those MREs, those, those you know, meals in that plastic bag and I thought it was cool. I know them, it was disgusting, but I thought it was so cool. You could cook it all right there. But Grandpa, I remember, it, we, we, we could be, I think, about seven, eight years old. That's how young we started. Grandpa would give us one match. And he'd make us go start a fire with one match. If we didn't start the fire, we didn't have it. We couldn't eat it, eat, eat our meal. He got one of Momo's old pots. I don't know if she knew it, but he got one of Momo's old pots and We'd cook. So growing up, I liked to play with fire. They had land. We could do that. I can't tell you how many fires I've built. I can't tell you how many. We'd clear off pasture lands and build. We, we, I remember one time they cleared off our pasture. And I'm not kidding. There was a pile of wood the size of this building. And we got to light it all at one time. It was awesome. But I've had those moments where we lit the fire. And the wind started to blow. And the fire started to spread. 
And it got bigger than what we could handle. I remember Grandpa running out because it was getting real close to his shed. He kind of didn't like that. And he comes running out and we're beating it. We're spraying it with water. We're doing everything we can because fire is not ever intended to be contained. Fire constantly wants to spread. Fire causes one to move, to react or respond. If you don't believe that, be around a fire and let one of those embers that float up land in the back of your uh, neck right there in between your shirt and your skin. You don't go, oh, that burns. You don't go, oh, that smarts. You don't reach in and touch a hot stove and put your hand on it and go, my hand is burning. Because fire is the ultimate evangelistic tool. Fire spreads. Fire licks out and reaches out. One of the problems with forest fires is that they think they have it contained. But the fire has ways of jumping over roads and jumping over fire breaks because fire's nature is I'm not limited. I don't want to be content just one place. The Holy Ghost is the same. It was never. It is never content to set you on fire and live only in you. Which is why when someone's full of the Holy Ghost and fire and they go to work, that fire is constantly reaching out. That Holy Ghost is constantly reaching out. That's why anybody you come in contact with go, what is up with you? What's going on? Why do I feel this way? What's happening? It's because there's Holy Ghost and fire. So I'm asking you today, are you, is it the fire that shut up in your bones the only way this world is ever going to hear the gospel because no one shares the gospel by accident although I guess I have seen I really have not that I was in the bar but I, you know one of the one of the most eff, not effective witnesses but have you ever seen a drunk person witness they get all when I'm riding with the police officers as a chaplain and, and we pick up a drunk man they can be cussing that police officer out but as soon as they know I'm a preacher they instantly they quote Bible verses better than I quote that's not evangelism that usually doesn't work the greatest thing you can do is let the Holy Ghost get inside your life and set you on fire to where you can't contain it. Where tomorrow morning when you go to work, when you go to school, it, 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 just, it just naturally wants to come out. Hey, let me tell you what God has done for me. Fire moves. I want us to stand today. We felt His glory all across this building. It was my prayer before church. It was what I told those that were going to be on the platform before church. It's been my prayer all through church that I would walk out of this place and know I've been touched by God. And so tonight, I believe that you have felt His presence. And I believe that through every song and every worship and every part of the Word, you felt the glory of God. But what I want you to do before you leave this place 
So I want you to gather around an altar, whether it's in your seat or whether it's up front. And I want you to ask the Lord, say, Lord, let that Holy Ghost burn within me. That when I don't think, I, when, when I don't even want to say anything, it's like fire shut up in my bones. It just wants to come out. Lord, I want your glory to be so much inside of me. I cannot contain it. I want you to come. Why don't you ask the Lord to set you on fire for him? Why don't you let him consume you in Jesus' name? Like a fire shut up in my bones.